You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily podcast on the Minnesota Timberwolves, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to another Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, your host, Jerk Home Blessy, bringing you daily Timberwolves content. Make sure to check out the at Locked On T-Wolves. Twitter account, as well as my Twitter account, at CMLSK, M-O-L-E-S-K-Y. I failed to get the show tweeted out yesterday. Super busy yesterday before uh, the Toronto game kicked out. Didn't get a chance to tweet it out uh, earlier in the afternoon. I apologize for that. But usually I'm pretty good about getting all of uh, all of the shows out there on social media. So make sure to go check out that. Also check out the Locked on NBA podcast. If you're looking for some place that gives you updates, in recent news, as well as bringing in some really cool guests, all in one convenient place, giving you all the great updates that you need to get prepped for all the NBA action. That's the place to do it. Locked on NBA podcast. There's not a ton of places that give you daily around the league content consistently. Not too many podcasts that do that. And I would strongly advise you go and subscribe to that one. It's a great place to get information. We're going to talk about today the Toronto game. I'm going to talk about some some things that you can glean from, some lessons learned about the Timberwolves before I get to the the NBA three things I learned from the league last night. I'm going to save the Milwaukee preview for tomorrow. The, they play the Bucks on Friday. Let's save that one uh, and get into it tomorrow. But first, before we get to all that, I got a little bit of a rant for you guys, because I don't know if you noticed this, but everybody is blowing up about this Kawhi steal. Oh, no look defense. He's so good. He doesn't need to see to to get the defense going and to play great defense. He doesn't even need to look at the player. Okay, people settle down. This dude fell. He straight up fell. He just fell. He made a bad play. He played that so poorly that he tripped and fell down, and he just happened to land on the ball. That was pure luck to everybody. I'm calling out everybody, ESPN, Bleacher Report, anybody who is tweeting that out saying, oh, my gosh, look at how great Kawhi Leonard is. He is a great player. I give you that. But that was just a bad play that he got lucky on. Please stop. Please stop. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. It makes me mad because it was a bad play. He got juked out of his stock, he fell down, and he landed on the ball. That is pure luck. That is just, for some reason, he's getting lucky after scorning a whole fan base for an entire year that did nothing but love him. He's just getting lucky. So, congratulations for that, I guess. Congratulations that your your best player fell down on a play, and he just happened to land on the ball. Good for you. Good for you, the six. Good for you, Toronto. Great job. Great job. Great job. All right, now that we got that out of the way, uh, the Timberwolves lost one, one twelve to one oh five. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to come at you heated, people. It's just it's so stupid. But anyways, the Toronto Raptors won one twelve one oh five. Pretty tight game. Biggest lead for Toronto was seventeen points. But the Timberwolves were able to rally back in, in the second half, especially. They ended up twenty six twenty six for a third quarter score. Ended up outscoring Toronto thirty one twenty nine in the fourth quarter wasn't enough to surge them past the Raptors, but they were in this game. I was actually super happy with the Timberwolves in this one. They shot 33s, hit 50% of their threes. Yeah. Josh Okogie looking really good. He knocked down 50% of his threes. 
even though he shot 28% from the field. Uh, and I ended up with 10 points, 11 rebounds. You have Butler with 23 points. Derrick Rose with 16. He was actually the only double-digit scorer for the Timberwolves in the first half off the bench. He had 10 points. Nobody else on the Timberwolves roster had double digits. So he kind of kept them in this game a little bit in that first quarter, and, or in that first half, excuse me. And then you see the rest of the, the roster kind of exploding in that second half and able to surge back in a big way. I actually I actually kind of think they win this game if Wiggins is there. Get the fast, maybe get the fast break going a little bit. Maybe get some more stuff in transition. Maybe play a little more up tempo, go a little more small ball against them. But he's he's he was injured. It was a late injury. You go through looking through all the the stuff through that morning. It seemed like it wasn't a big deal. Like the quad was going to be okay, and then he ends up not traveling with the team. So that was a little strange, a little peculiar. But I, I, I it was a bummer that he wasn't there. I he, the way he's been playing, he he's been coming out firing pretty pretty solid this the first few games of the season through the first four games so i i kind of think the way they're playing fast paced spread the ball around if he's there to knock down some shots to maybe pick up some plays in transition they only did have 10 fast break points in this game i think that if you have wiggins out there another superb athlete with josh Kogi out there with their guards i think you actually end up stealing this one the way they were able to make that push in the second half of this game but nevertheless it's a it's a tight tight loss and you played well with a team that has beaten really good teams already this year. I talked the other day about how they were able to slow down and bog down a Celtic, the Celtics, who you know all the talent on that team. I mean, this is a, this is by far not the worst loss that the Timberwolves have taken this season. I will say it was unfortunate for Towns, a guy who has perennially really waxed this Toronto team and really had his way with certain individuals on this team. Uh, guys like Valanchunas, who he has just consistently played leaps and bounds better than when they've played Toronto. It was a bummer that he never really seemed to get going in this game. Ended up shooting 29% from the field, had 14 points and only eight boards. It, it just really felt like he never really locked into that next year. Uh, he shot five threes, only knocked down one of them. It would have been nice to get him going a little bit more in the post uh, to try and, and, but he wasn't knocking down the shots either. Five for 17. It just never felt like he was in a rhythm. So it's hard to justify giving him more looks down low when he had 17 and just couldn't knock him down. It was, that was really a story of the night. I, I would say it coming away from this game was, you had players who were really feeling it and players who just could not find a rhythm. It was all over the roster. You had Jimmy Butler at 53% from the field. You had Carl Anthony Towns, 29% from the field. Josh Okogie, 28% from the field. Jeff T, Derek Rose, 41, 43% from the field, respectively. Tyus Jones, 25% from the field. All of these guys, Taj Gibson played 19 minutes, uh, was seconds away from getting into the 20-minute mark. But all the rest of these guys are playing at least uh, 20 minutes. You see Josh Kobe 26, Derek Rose, 29, Jeff Teague, 29. Uh, these guys are playing substantial minutes and you have them bouncing all over the place. As far as field goal percentage, it'd just be really nice if we can start, start finding a rhythm for all of these guys. If you can get guys across the board shooting more efficiently, obviously that's the goal for every team, but it's just, when you have guys hitting 
60% like Taj Gibson or 53% like Jim Butler and then 28% like Josh Okoge that if you can find somewhere in the middle where you get more guys shooting around that 35 to 40% mark, I, I think that's when you've really started to hit the, the full stride of where this offense can be. And they're still getting there. There's still growing pains. There's still new guys coming in. There was a lot of tumult going into this. It was a tumultuous offseason going into the preseason and right up to the, the start of the season. So there was – there's you knew going into it that there was going to be growing pains, even though this roster is returning a lot of guys from last season. And I think you're seeing that here just with the cohesion of this offense. Sometimes it takes them a little bit. You saw this perfect example in the Toronto game. They played really well and outscored them in the fourth quarter. You saw them start slow, 19 points in the first quarter. There's going to be some games like this where it's a bummer that they lost because they showed they can play as good as a really good team, 5-0 and Toronto Raptors, and it just took them a minute to get there. I, I Again, I said this before, it's going to take less and less time, I really believe, over the course of this season to lock into that next gear that I think this offense can get to. It's just a matter of how long does that take. That's going to determine how good this Timberwolves team ends up. Uh, ends up being at the end of the year and time will tell with that stuff you got but as far as this roster you're getting it's you're closer to where you want this to be as a roster joshua kogi is getting a lot of minutes he's getting a lot of reps uh, taj gibson doesn't have to carry uh, the well, i believe it was 32 minutes 33 minutes per game that he was playing last year uh, they're doing a better job getting guys off the bench and getting them involved you have guys like anthony Tolver. he was in for 28 minutes Corey was in for 12, Tyus Jones in for 20, Derek Rose in for 29. This is good. It's becoming more creative. It's becoming a more well-rounded offense, a more well-rounded team. You're using more of this roster. It's not just five guys going out there and saying, well, whatever the matchups are for this team, it doesn't really matter because these are our five guys, and you're either going to win or lose it with these guys. So let's go. It's not that anymore, which is encouraging. And even in a loss, I think there's encouraging things to take away from this. And I think when you have your third best guy out and you're able to hang with a team that right now is the best team in the, in the East, that's encouraging. That's encouraging. And so seven point loss on the road to Toronto after that. So start, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, I, it may be not in December, but Right now, when you see this team having the growing pains they're having, I'll take that. All right, we're going to get to a break for some sponsors, then we're going to close this out. First, some sponsors. All right, shorter show today, uh, just covering the Timberwolves and their loss to the Toronto Raptors. Going to get to the Bucks game tomorrow. Wanted to quickly, before we head out here, get to three things I, I learned from the NBA last night. The first thing, holy balls. You thought that Steph Curry couldn't get any better. You heard the reports of him trying to get more efficient after he broke the efficiency record and got the MVP, broke it his own record, got the unanimous MVP. I, I believe it's how the timeline went. Uh, and you see him in the offseason saying, I want to be a more efficient basketball player. I can be a more efficient basketball player. You say, Steph. Come on, are you crazy? What? <laughs> How? How are you going to be more efficient? And then he goes and plays the Wizards. He shoots 62% from the field, 
68% from three. Are you kidding me? This is crazy. This is crazy. He's amazing. This is, this is ridiculous. He had 51 points in three quarters. Steph Curry, I actually believe he can be more efficient. Watch him shoot 60% from three this season. I mean, maybe. Maybe. I mean, if I told you that somebody was going to drop 68% and make it look that easy, it would have been hard to believe last year. But maybe. Maybe you, maybe he averages 60% from three. I, I believe in Steph. I believe in him. I believe in him. You can call me stupid or whatever you want. I, I don't really care. I believe in Steph. That's cool. I mean, 68% from three is ridiculous. He actually might become more efficient than he uh, than he was last season, and that is a scary prospect for anyone who remembers that they also have Boogie Cousins coming back at some point in December around the All-Star break. This is going to be ridiculous. Uh, and you know what? You can say that the NBA is boring for the Warriors being good all you want, but it's fun to watch good players be good and Damn, Steph Curry is really good, and it was fun to watch that game last night. So I don't know why people are hating. It, it was a fun game. I don't care that it was high scoring. I don't care if you think that there's no defense in the NBA. That was a fun game to watch. If you don't think so, get out of here. You're it's being wasted on you anyways. Another thing, for anyone saying that the Rockets are regressing uh, and, and going to be bad this year, uh, or maybe jumping ship, maybe hitting the pan button a little too early on the Rockets after a loss to the Jazz, just remember, Chris Paul is really important to this team. Chris Paul is really good. I know they lost some perimeter shooters in the offseason, and they're going to have to try and figure out how to make up for that gap uh, for those 3 and D players that they lost. Uh, Luka Mamamute and Trevor Ariza come to mind when you're thinking of guys that are perfect 3 and D players. Oh, wait, those are guys who are on the roster. But that said, Chris Paul, Allen suspension, he's really important to how they control the minutes for James Harden and how they run this isolation offense and how they play James Harden and Chris Paul and, and that isolation offense off of them and how they play those guys and kind of work those guys off each other and play those guys separately and how they run offense through them in different ways when they're not both out on the court together. And so it's a big loss when he's out. You saw that in the playoffs last year against the Warriors. And you're seeing it here when he's out. It's tough, and they, they struggled. They struggled a, a couple nights ago and when they barely hung on for a victory. And they struggled tonight against the Jazz. And the Jazz have a really good bench. I said this before. The Jazz have a really good bench. And so I think that when you have an all-star like Chris Paul out, it's natural to have your team struggle. It's natural to have them kind of just a little bit, just a little bit of floundering, just a little bit of of uh, having to to make the moves. Clippers, that's the team that they played. Uh, the Clippers, they they lost to one fifteen, one twelve down the stretch. They were struggling, and when you're when you play so much isolation, and you play so much isolation controlled by two guys, and one of those guys is out and you can't kind of stutter their minutes off each other, and then you see the impact of that. And so I would, I'll judge this team in a little bit when Chris Paul's back, and we'll see how they're able to make up for the lack of or the loss of those three-point shooters once Chris Paul's back and they're able to get this offense back on track. But until then, I don't really want to jump to any conclusions on, on them and on, on how they're playing. Also, a uh, thing I learned – I don't know if both teams are necessarily losers yet. It's hard to tell. 
I may have jumped on this too early after the trade. I was all over Atlanta for trading Luka Doncic and taking Trey Young. I thought that Luka, I still think Luka is the best player out of this draft, but I thought this was a super lopsided trade. The way Trey Young has come out of this, obviously they still need defense, but the way Trey Young has been playing, and it was kind of highlighted last night, the two playing against each other. Not that Luka had a bad night, but it's just Trey Young is is going to be good for this team. And I know 17 points, five assists isn't the craziest, but he's able to do things and create offense that you just haven't seen for the Atlanta Hawks in quite some time. And maybe quite some time is not the right word, but you haven't seen it in a minute for the Atlanta Hawks. And I, I don't know if necessarily there was, it's hard for me to say right now, maybe three years down the road, I'll come back to my original take, which was, this was a terrible train. It was super lopsided, but right now, with both teams kind of being okay, being bad and getting more young players, getting more draft picks and both teams kind of just being fine, letting their young guys develop on the court during games and seeing both how they both these guys play. I don't know if there's necessarily a loser. Trey Young, it looks like he's going to be pretty, pretty and good. I mean, if they get better and it turns out he's a, he's a good or bad team, good stats guy. Maybe then you say the Mavericks were the real winner, but Right now, it seems like both these guys just got the, the young players that they needed, and I don't know if there's a real loser from that. So I think last night, the third thing that I learned from the NBA is just me be jumping on that trade too quickly and that both these guys can be really good and both these teams can end up winning from that trade, which is just a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing for two NBA teams to find. <laughs> and so uh, that's all I have for today. Thank you for tuning in. C- come back tomorrow. We'll be previewing the Milwaukee Bucks and the Minnesota Timberwolves game that will be in Minnesota. So come back for that. Thank you so much for listening to another Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves.